Welcome back to the Hot Mess to Awesomeness podcast, a show all about inspiring smart, busy women to put their happiness at the top of their to-do list. Join your host and life coach, Dion Thompson, as she chats with amazing women who have figured out how to make their happiness a priority, and more importantly, what it's really like to go from hot mess to awesomeness. And now, on with the show. Welcome everyone to the Hot Mess to Awesomeness podcast. I am your host and life coach, Dion Thompson. And as I've said, probably on the other 70 some odd episodes, I'm very sweaty. I am. I'm feeling very dewy. If you're watching the video, there's a glisten here. Oh, oh Elena, my guest, Elena Sherwood, a kick-ass songs um, brought me back to a different time in my life. Sweet child of mine. Oh, hello. Um, who knew I would know all those lyrics still many, 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 many moons later. And um, very excited about uh, your second song, Sherilyn, To Be Real, kind of your theme song. And we're going to get into that. Very excited to have you here today, my friend. Thank you. My pleasure. Absolutely. So um, I had the absolute pleasure of getting paired up with you in a networking community. Mm -hmm. Gotta love me some Zoom action networking groups and absolutely fell in love with your energy and with what you do. Kind of um, a big, big proponent of like being real and fucking authentic. So when I realized very quickly that that was your jam, I'm like, this is my person and I'm going to need to talk to her. And I'm very excited that you're here. So let me introduce you to the world, as it were, the world, you know, because the world's listening to this podcast, but, you, you know, just know. The, absolutely. Uh, so uh, Elena has been a therapist for over 30 years and now settled in Ottawa with her husband, has set up a small practice. After years of intense clinical work, she shifted gears to create room in her work and life for her obsession <laughs> with the word real. She currently runs empowering groups called To Be Real. Thank you, Cheryl Lynn, in that song, uh, and is a fellow podcaster and most recently released her first book, Greatness Finds a Way. So welcome, my friend, Elena. I cannot tell you how excited I am to be here. Honestly, I am not just vibrating from our dance uh, <laughs> gig there, but I really was very much looking forward to being here. Thank you. Because oh. I too fell in love with your energy and authenticity. So I thought, oh my word, this is going to just be amazing. Yes. And I'm guessing the vibration of this particular episode is going to be here. Awesome. Let's hope. <laughs> Let's so, hope. Um, so like me, you have a background in academia. I don't know if anybody actually knows that about me because I don't often share that, but um, and you spent many years doing sort of some traditional work therapy, um, and what, what the fuck happened? So, <laughs> well, okay. It's, it's actually all part of the story. Uh, so in my teens, I realized that, uh, after a terrible breakup at the age of 17. I mean, what, who does not break up at the age of 17? But to me, that was like the world is when I realized that nobody was gonna take care of me but me. Mm -hmm. I know, kind of sad though, anyway. Anyway, so then I started the trajectory of collecting all the tools I would need for life. I'm gonna need a degree. Everybody says you're gonna go hungry if you don't have a degree, so I better go get one. Mm -hmm. And then I worked a little bit and, I, and then I went straight to, I didn't go straight. I worked for a little bit and I thought, well, 
I mean, if I needed that one, surely I'll need another. <laughs> uh, anyway, and then as the years went, it was so basically, I know this sounds a little bit kind of ridiculous, but being there in academia and being absorbed in that world, which I am quite passionate about, mm -hmm. but it also gave me a different place to be. I can appreciate that. I mean, I, I love the world of academia. I'm not, there's no poo-poo on that because it's fantastic. And um, I think that there comes a point when you kind of go, you can, if you can't see me, I'm moving my head to another direction, but you're like, oh, I can look at it that way. Uh, because, you know, we get very, very um, contained in yeah. our narrative, in the structure and the function of our systems. And those systems work very well. They're very eloquent. They're very long lasting, hundreds and hundreds of years of it working for people. Absolutely. Um, so what did you see when you took a bit of a perspective shift? Well, so I'm going to dive right into my hot mess moment. Good, good. I was thinking about this because I have several. The first, very, very first one was a mini one, which is me at 17, realizing, my God, if a boyfriend can dump me, the world can dump me. So I need to find a way to make an income. So that was kind of the beginning of the crazy spiral of get, get, get. And what I didn't realize is the further in it I went and the more uh, committed and driven I was in the career aspect of get, get, get. I honestly believe, seriously, all I really needed to do was be like skinny and externally beautiful. And if I had a really, really shiny resume that declared me as an expert, I would have it all. Part of my language, holy fuck, it, I was the furthest I ever was from myself. Mm -hmm. uh, so the hot mess moment came right down to we just bought a big house and I had a good job and I had a thing and I just had a visit with my dad who was ill. We were living in Alberta at the time and I'd met up some, with some friends and I had this huge thing when I got back home of longing for that life I had when I visited my dad. All my friends were there, uh, everybody was there. And to me, it was like disconcerting. It was like maddening. What the hell is going on that in my head, I really wanted that life. It's as if everything I'd done was meant nothing. Like, I had an amazing husband. I had two beautiful kids. I had all everything, but it was like this big, awful, awful, awful shakedown of everything I'd ever believed because there was my life. There was my father. He was he was, uh, he was still a little bit healthy, but at that point he was not quite confined to a wheelchair, but needed it. And I'd already lost my mother. And uh, I got there and I saw all of my friends and I saw some really old connections. And it just, it just I, I got a little bit, I think the word I could use is a little bit homesick. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't know is I didn't really know what home was inside. So, down I went, mm -hmm. not in a terribly bad way, because the beauty of it is I had not, I had learned a lot about, about this mental health stuff. And even I knew that even in my dark, dark place of 
being, I mean, we just moved that. Isn't that number one stressor is moving. So we just had that and all the transition and it was just a big, holy crap, what is going on? And so I was able to at least say, okay, your people have been there before, you know this, what do you always say? I always say, well, there's something deep going on. And so for the first time in my life, I embraced the stuff I preach. And I got myself a really, really awesome therapist. <laughs> I've done that before and it didn't quite work out. And I had many excuses why. I lived in a small town and, you know, in my head, well, nobody's here qualified to treat me. But that wasn't true. There were plenty, but I wasn't ready. And so I did kind of speed date one therapist that, oh, see? I knew we weren't right, whatever it was. But at this point, I had no other choice but to face it. And so I dove in and got my shit fixed up. <laughs> I have to tell you, you're definitely not my first therapist with some shit. Um, and, and I'll that, do it, just so you know. Oh, yeah. Well, we we of the, the collective human we all do. Um, but it was very much a theme of not seeking out the knowledge in which you had for your own personal use. And so question, because this had arisen in, in a few other episodes with some other amazing guests. Um, tell me a little bit about the stigma and the fear around a professional seeking professional help. Oh my word. It's huge. It's huge. Except now I realize though, it's not as much out there as it is within all of us. Mm. And I was the number one. Uh, not that I believed less of people, I didn't. But I just, it's, it's really mind boggling, especially when you live in a small town, it could really, pardon my language, it can really fuck you up when you're a professional, because mm -hmm. everywhere you go, your clients are there. Right. Now, I was always kind of real where, wherever I was, wherever I met, um, but in my head, I was thinking, oh, they're judging me. I'm sure they're judging me. Did I, I have, I'm having a glass of wine. Are they counting how many wines I'm having? Are they going to watch me if I fall apart in the dance floor just doing my, my thing? Like in my head, they were bigger than they really were. Right. Until I got over my own mental thing about we are all just people mm -hmm. doing our best. And I had a psychologist friend who said that he was living in Edmonton, so quite further away. And he actually has a practice, a group therapy practice that is only for a specific professional group, because that's how secret they feel that this therapy should be. Wow. And I think, you know, because again, this is not the, this is not a, a unique experience. And, and I think it, 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 translates to a number of prof helping professions that if I am seen to need help, then who will come and ask me for help? And if I don't have people asking me for help, who the fuck am I? And, and it really can drive this, again, this narrative, this experience of self, who am I if I'm not? And if they see me in a whole other light, will I still be me? And so it, I, I love that. I don't love that that happened to you. <laughs> don't, but I, I love that you had taken that experience and over time 
really landed on real. So tell me more about that transformation from nobody can know about my stuff to, well, here it is, everybody. I wrote it in a book. Well, to be honest, it wasn't until I started writing it into the book that I found that cleansing stuff. Um, because I met with this amazing, uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. All I know is I'd started a blog and the stuff I want, I wanted to write so much, but it didn't quite belong in that blog. Mm -hmm. And so somebody said, well, you know, chat with this lady because she's a publisher, mentor, whatever. And so I said to her, I don't know what I need to do. I just need, I know I need to write. And she said, the beautiful lady said, just write, just bleed into the keyboard. Because apparently that's what Ernest Hemingway said. We don't write. We just uh, sit at the typewriter and bleed or something. Well, I actually did a little post and I took it down, but it was like Ernest Hemingway saying, you know, you just bleed. And I wanted to say, uh, dude, I'm down two pints. Like (laughs) all told, probably five. It's like the Cullens are swishing right past me saying nothing left, nothing appetizing about that one. So it wasn't until I started writing it all into the story that I realized that that was holding me back is I would be free when I told the story. And part of my hope was to liberate other therapists and other health professionals or any kind of professionals who also had that thing, because it turned into a book with a big message. And so I cannot get over how releasing it was uh, to press the end. I think as a writer and as a true believer that all people are writers, and I dare anybody to challenge me on that, Um, and because the power of that experience is so transformative. I I feel it's almost like a birthright to be able to move through the the layers or the shells that sort of accumulate around us. It is a magical way to make that happen. So whether you are writing so that others will read or you are writing to process what you need to process, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be anything grammatically correct in order it could be crayon on a post-it like it still has that power um and i i I think that's phenomenal that you found that through the process and i know that for for listeners whether or not they have a desire to write a book or not the there is magic in that experience Uh, so thank you for highlighting that because i want to scream that from the rooftops every freaking day anyway (laughs) As you should, should, because it's a very important message. The other thing I wanted to comment on about the message, it is very powerful. It is very important for whether it be therapists or people in the mental health world or any helper type profession. um, It it helps to uh, remind us that we are not alone. It, uh, through that power of of story, of allowing us to anchor ourselves that we can find our own way. But I think there's also a really important impact that, not that it's a byproduct, but I'm looking forward to it, is the change from at at an organizational level. Like there's a reason this is all fucked up. It's because organizationally and culturally, these are the norms and perhaps patriarchal driven um, and 
that sucks. And okay, let's try to flashlight on that. But I think that it's this power of when you, when people feel a connection and they feel the impetus to align themselves and make a change, if they're still in the industry, if they're still there in the profession and they're willing to um, tap into that strength of vulnerability, they're going to make a change. Like the ripple effect is that ideally we get to a generation of people that don't have to have this conversation because all the professions are deemed valuable and you being in that profession, you're still a valuable human, no matter what shit you're also going through simultaneously. And yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a longstanding thing in some different areas, definitely. in um, perhaps like drug rehabilitation, where a lot of it is like, when you've been through it, you know, and then you're better to support others, except when somehow you get a whole bunch of letters behind your name and that's not true anymore. And right. It, so it's this, disconnect that I think books like yours and people like you are helping to sort of reconnect the pieces and pull that puzzle back together. So fucking yay you. Well, I hope so. It, it was my, I don't even know that I had an intent other than to be ridiculously authentic and ridiculously truthful. And I purposely didn't make it all about me, even if it was, it was about me because it, it, it really isn't. Um, and one of the things I say, and I say this truthfully, is I feel like I gave up a piece of me to go into that to be for other people. Some I know this sounds a little wackadoodle, but I just feel like the world needs something of this. And I'm happy to give this piece of me for somebody out there who might need it. Because it's, it's, it's quite, um, for me anyway, it was quite a humbling experience to really face everything that I needed to face to write it. So tell me a little bit about, because I know books don't write themselves in a day and that to continue to show up to the page takes a diff, like a significant commitment and life is still happening, right? Like you still have to like do the laundry and mm -hmm. cook your food and go to work and do all the things. So tell me how, what is it that you tapped into? What did you anchor to how did you continue to stay focused on this mission and message all while out there living your life? Uh, well, what did help in my, in my case is the pandemic because there was nowhere to, nowhere to go. So that sort of locked me into, okay, well, you're, you're here. But even that aside, uh, the things that got me through all the education and all the, the the difficult government jobs and all of that was that just keep at it just mm -hmm. keep showing up like don't give up just and that's the one that somehow I was able to use for a really good thing to say just keep doing it it'll finish itself uh, and it did so that's one of my strongest messages to anybody and everybody is just keep showing up and have faith in what will happen when you do. Love that. So what does real mean to you? I've been fighting with this word in a good way. And so I've been able to narrow it down to a few things. Real to me means coming to terms among other things it's coming to terms with our own story mm -hmm. and facing all of it not just the stuff we really like and no avoiding of yeah we're just gonna forget about that part no 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 it's embracing all that we are the good the bad and the ugly and the beautiful and the magical and the all of that because to me you cannot be completely real 
if we're just going to minimize that part of me, that's not really me. No, all of it is me. The train wreck that did some things because whatever the the, the hot mess, as you call it, the the all of it, the the great, the amazing, whatever. But all of it is when we embody everything and celebrate it where it's not something that we should be embarrassed about or minimize. No, no, no. That little train wreck is also part of our personality. And it makes us beautiful when we do train wreck stuff that's really still an extension of a personality that we can't really deny. I love that. I, um, I love that you use the term embody. I think it, uh, it's such a powerful um, vision and one that's, in my opinion, still a little bit underrated and not, um, I think, embraced and understood uh, at the level that it's actually happening. Because that's the thing about embodiment. That's the thing about your body. It doesn't use words. And so you can't rationalize the shit out of it, although we try. Um, but to be able to truly take in and, and not just think about your own thoughts, but acknowledge where they rest and what that feels like and to own every aspect of you including you know that funky toe on your right foot and and your beautiful smile and all of those things um I, I that to me really speaks to this idea of of real and being present and whole and and occupying and and owning the space that you take up in the world awesome. Now, I, I think I mentioned this to you before, but I, I wanted to point it out because it made me giggle when, again, when you were talking about, or when I heard about your connection to the word real and how you've incorporated that into your work, into your branding and all of those things. Um, when I was in these very, very early days of, I think I'm going to be a coach. Um, one of the first things I did was like, well, I guess I should name myself. Like what, I don't know what my, my business is going to be or, um, and I've gone through many incarnations. But I put out to the world, Facebook, by the way, I'm calling that the world, but I put out to, to Facebook at it the time. Is. Yeah. I'm like, what should I call myself? Like I actually polled my friends and um, somebody had landed on, you're the real coach. And because how I show up is as real as I can be. Like I, and I re that really spoke to me because in my very early days of um, sort of self-exploration and self-awareness. I read a book by Parker Palmer and um, it was about living the undivided life. And I thought that that was a fascinating concept because I lived my life so compartmentalized and divided myself constantly. I was like, really? That's a thing? You can just be one person? What? So I made it my mission to live into this space where my visual was if everybody I knew on the planet had come together into a room and I wasn't there and they were each telling stories about me and how they knew me, they would recognize me in each other's stories because I am undivided. And Absolutely. that, so this idea of real, again, really like gets me to the core because I think it's such a valuable um, aspect of humanity that is being missed because of the constant conditioning and, and, and compartmentalization of self. Um, so I, again, and I, I can't say it enough. I'm just, I love what it is, what you're doing and what you're sharing and how you are representing the real community and real therapists. So 
So tell me, tell me about that. How do you, what does a real therapist do? So you have a profession with like a body and a, you know, you have to sign off and say you do stuff, but. Well, okay. This is where it's a little bit dicey. And I am currently in a, unfortunately a divided head state mm-hmm. um, because my, I am licensed in the province of Ontario under the Ontario College of Social Work and Social Service Workers, which I, I, I've worked very hard for, and I've always had to be licensed. And I'm, I'm very proud of that. Uh, it's not an easy thing to get Um, but that also comes with some restrictions and above all among other things which I also embody is representing them well and representing social workers well wherever I go Um, and so to me sometimes I feel like I could still be realer but I don't want to compromise something that might be viewed as unprofessional because it's really that easy to do a little thing and somebody misinterprets it and then suddenly I'm up in front of a board saying you know they want to take my license away so to me maybe it's because I've carried that so long that I'm still kind of I do feel like that's holding me back a little bit but that said I think that there is always room for realness in our fullest capacity in everything we do, no matter what it is, whatever part of my language, whatever the fuck I call myself. Uh, And I have a couple of clients who say, I don't really care what you call yourself. Just like make sure you fit me into your schedule. I don't really care. You're a butcher, you're a candlestick maker, you're a consultant, whatever. Like, so I think we get stuck in labels. And I've I'm still a little bit stuck in labels. So that's the part I'm working through. But I do know that the realer I get, I feel like I'm just getting started. I think that's, you perhaps are also holding the energy for so many of us that we are just getting started and and really tapping into um, being undivided, right? Being whole and... I know for most of my adult life that the whole, like, there's a whole, there's a, there's an emptiness, there's a void. I don't feel, I don't feel pulled together. I don't feel like all of me is here. And then when I start to say that out loud, everybody's like, yeah, hi. It's like, that's a, like, when I start to think about it, I'm like, oh, right. Um, So let, let's stop it. I see all done with that. I got, I love that one. <laughs> I love that. Stop it, dude. Oh my word. I, I, he's in my head all day. So, so. slight, in, slight inside joke. Uh, Elena and I um, had chatted before and I had shared with her a video that was shared with me many years ago. And it's, so you can all Google it. It's Bob Newhart, stop it. And it's an SNL skit and it is hilarious, but it's very much about um, just like, stop it. And from a therapist, just stop it. Just be, just be real. Stop it. Get anyway. on with life. Yeah, Get I know. Do us, do it. I love awesome. him. <laughs> <laughs> so, Elena, what what do you have going on? So I mentioned in in when I introduced you, you have some community got like a group going on. Yeah, Talk I have more a about face- that. Oh, thank you. I have a Facebook group called Let's Get Real, and it's free. It's private because you know that's just the way I felt like it should go. But again, it's free. And so if anybody has this little inkling for more realness in their life, that's the place to go. That's also where I would offer the first thing if I am offering anything. So Mm -hmm. what I am offering right now is a dirt cheap realness journey course, Mm -hmm. 
and it's only three, it, it says three days, but it's not three full days. It's I'm going to post something three days in a row. And so right now I'm, I'm funneling all the content for that. So my mission is to, is, is, is to get to find as many ways as I can to put this realness stuff out there and get a realness movement going. Yes, please sign me up. I'm on the realness train. So I've got that the the coaching part, realness mentoring that I'm also interested in in doing, and I'm still keeping a very small private practice because they're there, and um, I don't I don't and I like them. I love I love the people I'm working with. So between that and the book, I've kind of let my podcast slip a little bit, but I'm now inspired by have how many episodes? Never mind. Okay, I think I may have fit hit 15 because I, I do it when I when I have an idea that hits me and they're all very short so that I kind of let go uh so right now I I'm really just kind of trying to get the word out there about being real in mm-hmm. whoever will listen to me I don't think people realize how critical this is mm-hmm. um I think it just it might like it might sound like somebody just touting this thing that many people are on the bandwagon about mm-hmm. Um, except it isn't because maybe everybody should be on a bandwagon about realness. Maybe everybody should be owning their shit and living the life they really, 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 really want. And maybe most of us don't even know we're not doing that. Right. I think the, I mean, like with most things, it's fear. That's what, that's where people, that's the state people come from because in order to be real, you have to heal. And, um, that can be very scary. You know, speaking with a client yesterday, she's like, I ain't opening that door. That, that, that door, that, that's a big, scary door. I'm like, I hear you. And <laughs> it's the only way through. Um, and so I appreciate that everybody will be stepping into this process in a time that feels right for them. And we are in a time of great healing because we are also in a time of great pain. And I see it coming. Um, and I see more opportunities for people to make connections to their true selves, higher selves, call it whatever you'd like, their real mm-hmm. selves, and having access to brilliant people like yourself who can also walk them through the healing in order to get to that space. Um, because you, you really can't do one without the other because it's not going to come out the way you want it to. <laughs> well, and the other thing, the really, really big lesson I learned in all of my journey was that. I need to pay people to do the stuff they do well, because I had this notion that I'm a therapist. I should be able to self-heal. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a liver. I'm not like, I, you know, I no. I mean, I have blind spots like everybody else. Uh, why, why on earth would I think? And that's the biggest common thing that people say, I don't need a thing. I can do this myself. And we all hear you would go to the you would go to the doctor if you were ill. You would, but we overestimate what we think we are capable of doing, and thus denying ourselves of doing the things we do very, very well and love doing. That is a very valid point. We and not only do we overestimate, we underestimate what's actually happening, and then it, we there's this massive gap that cannot be filled by ourselves. Um, and it's so of course this podcast and most of my work is geared towards women. And I, I said this before, I will say it again. I will say it every day. I love Beyonce. She did us a great disservice by 
putting it out there that we need to be strong, independent women, because it, the implication is that we need to do everything for ourselves by ourselves. And then, so those of us who are brilliant, educated people were like, well, I should be able to do that all by myself because I, you know, I did this and I did that. And in reality, we need the people. We need to acknowledge our brilliance and then seek out other brilliant people so that we can all just be brilliant together. So yes, find your people, pay them and get the shit done. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Bingo. <laughs> Bingo. Right there. That's it. Yes. And, and that the, the adage goes, we hire people who we know, like, and trust. And so building wherever you choose to go to uh, connect with a human and feel that the trust can be built via digital. Obviously that's before you actually chat with someone. Um, yeah. But yeah, you go to a place where they're going to show up as themselves, which would ideally be a space like that. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what the Assuming we can trust everything we see, which yeah. we can't always. <laughs> no. And so, so then I rely on, and this is something that I, like we all rely on our bullshit meter mm-hmm. to say, okay, yeah, nah, 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 that's not adding up. Right. Yeah. And I think too, just to add to the whole, if, if I was truly stepping into my real space, doing that healing work, I actually become more attuned with the bullshit meter. It's when we are constantly seeking external approval validation that we have no concept of reality because we haven't tuned into what our true knowing is. And um, so, yeah, again, do the work, do the thing, make it happen. All right. So Elena, what, I mean, this was a lot of gold and I'm so grateful to have you here. Um, What is a little something you'd like to leave the listeners with today? Well, I want people to really think about that word real and what it means to them. Mm-hmm. And I want people to think deeply about the words showing up. And so if you put those three together, showing up real, whatever state you're in, if you are in a hot mess state, if you are in an anxious borderline panic attack state, show up in that energy anyway, just show up, show the fuck up. (laughs) That's a tagline. Love it. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for your energy and for such a great conversation. I'm so grateful to have you in my world and I too have your book and I'm really, really excited to dig in. So just so you know, I don't like to read my guests books beforehand because I like to be like all raw and real in the moment. And now I'm extra pumped to go and dive in and, and connect with that. I mean, I did read a bit of it. I'm not gonna lie because I couldn't stop myself. But anyway, um, so thank you for being with me today. And, and kudos to you for doing all this for free, for the greater good, for all these amazing women that I'm sure would be followed. Why would they not? So thank you because, you know, you're giving a great big gift to all of us. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you to all the listeners. I appreciate you. I love having you here. Share this podcast with your friends. Let them know to be fucking real. And we will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Join Dion again next week to learn more about what you can do to go from hot mess to awesomeness.